7.04, and boy, oh boy, do we have a big show on tap for you tonight. It's time for Ira on Sports, right here on 95.9, the true oldies channel. I'm Mike Balsamo, Sean LaGrega in with us as well. So much to discuss as the uh, NFL playoff picture really starting to shape up, but there's still a lot of mud in that field. We'll dissect that, of course, and uh, you know, as Ira's going Ira's to talk about here in just a little while, college football pretty much almost over, uh, except for the playoff, and we're still uh, kind of shaping that up as well. First and foremost, Ira, you're not here in studio with us. You're someplace much cooler than here, though. <laughs> Tell us where you're at. Well, I'm I'm broadcasting live from the sports book in uh, the Win in Las Vegas, Nevada, and uh, it's pretty exciting here because it's like right before Monday Night Football, and people are getting their bets in for the Giants uh, uh, 49ers game. So it's a, it's it's real exciting to be here in Vegas right before a football game. I wonder how the money's going. I mean, this is a game I want to talk about later. And being a Giants fan, we, it's been pretty ugly. So it should be interesting. To, I would take the under probably in that game. If it's three points, I'd still take it because both of these teams looking pretty bad right now. I do look forward to uh, Nick Mullins probably destroying the Giants secondary uh, coming up in a little while. Ira, where have you been this past week, though? I know you had a really busy uh, couple of days. Well, I was at uh, – well, we'll talk about later. I saw I was at a USC basketball game on Tuesday night. Thursday night, I was at the Carolina Panthers at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, amazing game that was Thursday night. And then on Saturday, I was freezing at Happy Valley at Penn State for the Wisconsin-Penn State game. So very active, fun week for me. I do want to um, talk a lot about that Steelers game because, man, it, that was a game I thought was going to be pretty close. And it just turned into the Steelers' potential coming out party for this season. Like, hey, we're ready. To, we're coming here to play. Uh, Carolina is a good team, and they just absolutely destroyed them. More on that a little bit later. But, Ira, first, let's talk about uh, Wisconsin and Penn State. This was an interesting weekend. Tell us about the atmosphere there and, uh, you know, the frigid temperatures you had to endure. Well, I've gone to you know sporting events my entire life. It was only 30 degrees, but 30 degrees and 30 mile per hour winds. Wow. It's just un. I mean, the stadium by the halftime was happening. We're more at halftime. The score was still the game was still you know there was still a chance that either Wisconsin could win the game, and I bet you half the stadium left. It was unbearable how windy and how cold it was. Uh, I was like wearing 25 layers. I looked like the Michelin Man, uh, and I was able to, <laughs> to survive. But it was uh, it was a, one of the coldest games I've ever been to in my entire life. Um, tell us a little bit. I, you are a trooper for sticking it out. I would have definitely been uh, watching it at home. Um, this, these were two preseason top ten teams. Um, Wisconsin obviously didn't come in with their with their normal starting quarterback, though. I no, and it's like two teams. It's like watching. Uh, Everyone is upset, Wisconsin fans, and they travel very well. I mean, there were thousands of the Wisconsin fans there. Um, I just think Penn State fans are disappointed in their team. Wisconsin fans are disappointed in their team. Everybody at IOPS. I mean, these are top ten preseason teams talking about national championships for each one of these. Uh, I mean, if you look at a team like Wisconsin, I mean, their offensive line bringing back uh, just an amazing NFL-quality offensive line. And Jonathan Taylor, the running back, I mean, he started the game with a 71-yard run. Last year, he ran for almost 2,000 yards. This year, he's on pace for another 2,000. 5'11", 221 pounds. I mean, you're drafting him in your fantasy football league in the next first you know, two or three rounds next year. He's amazing. And, but, you know, it's just a disappointing year in terms of uh, for both teams. And I think the fans are just miserable in the weather. Just, <laughs> I think the weather, the, the, the teams, everybody was upset. 
Ira, you um, you know you were referencing this Wisconsin offensive line. These guys are pretty much NFL ready. Sean, you think that you know potentially all five of these guys could get drafted? I've never seen that before yeah. from an offensive line. Yeah, I mean they had three guys that came back that uh, they spurned the NFL draft last year with uh, Michael Dieter, Bo Benchwal, and David Edwards, uh, and to go along with their their freshman All American uh, Tyler. Uh, Baidaz, uh, they're they're they're. I mean, he, and he's going to be an All American this year. I mean, so you you have four guys that are going out and getting high honors, and you're obviously seeing that with Taylor and the success that he's had, even even with you know spotty quarterback play. So they're loading the box on these guys, and they're just bulldozing teams. I mean, the size of them, and this is a Wisconsin staple. I mean, every year there's always like one Wisconsin uh, uh, lineman that's 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 highly tackle that's yeah. highly regarded. I mean, you, as a Cowboy fan, Travis Frederick mm-hmm. uh, uh, being there and you know being the best center in the league. Um, so it's, it's, it, it was a shock that those three guys came back. And it honestly is a shock, too, that, that Wisconsin struggled as much as they had with potentially five NFL starters on a college football team, you know, protecting their quarterback. So, um, you know, when when Ira says, you know, look at the size of these guys, you know, it's 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 not, you know, for for nothing. I mean, these are really truly NFL uh, talented guys. Yeah, sometimes though, your offensive line just can't do quite enough uh, for your quarterback. They did it, but uh, not such a good performance from uh, this young man Cone. Ira, he's actually from uh, the area in in Long uh, Long Island where Sean and I are from. So it's nice to see him get in the game, but his performance probably wasn't uh, wasn't one he wants to write home about. Well, he was nine for 20, 60 yards, two, two interceptions. And I think I was shocked to see uh, the coaching, I, the play calling. I mean, clearly their offensive line just dominated Penn State's defensive line. And they chose to throw some stupid passes. And the play calling was horrendous. And, and I know James Franklin gets criticized uh, from Penn State. I mean, there's that poll where he's like the worst play calling coach and everything. <laughs> and you've seen during the year against Ohio State and the, and the going with the wrong play at the end of the game and all the question marks. I mean, I think he finally met his match, and uh, Paul Chris, who, again, just these terrible play calls where you just scratch your heads. It's like, you need two yards. You have an offensive line that outweighs Penn State's almost two to one. Just run the ball in the middle. Taylor is a great running back, and they chose not to do it. Um, really poor play calling, and, you know, losing 22 to 10 against Penn State. Besides that first touchdown, they did not think it much offense going. Um, and it was, a, you know, the one thing about Penn State, McSorley is so beat up, and he's just Trooper, the quarterback for Penn State, and hanging in there. But they have a running back, Miles Sanders, who sat behind Barkley last year and who was actually higher rated than Barkley. And he ran 23 times for 159 yards and a touchdown. And he's, you know, he's having a good year, 1,000 yards rushing. He's had games where he's rushed 200 yards against Illinois, 162 against Michigan State. Um, but against the, the, the losses against Michigan, 14 yards and 43 against Ohio State. I mean, he's probably going to go pro at this year, after this year. He's had a, you know, he's a very good running back. Penn State just wasn't able to get him in the right situations and utilize him correctly. But uh, uh, it was just, you know, it was great to be at the game. It was disappointing. I mean, we won. Penn State won. Uh, and they're seven and three. Wisconsin six and four. Uh, not to belabor the point in terms of Penn State, but uh, it's, uh, it was, it was, it. You have to. It was very. It was disappointing, but there was a win they needed to have to make. You know, it's interesting what you brought up, and I've heard this uh, mentioned a little bit earlier in the week that the most important player on a football team in this. You know this era, the the way we're playing offensively now, the quarterback's the most important, and the second most important p- person is the play caller. So it's interesting, yeah. you know, you you bring that up, and we've seen this how guys like Matt Nagy is transforming Mitchell Trubisky before our eyes, Sean McVay, um, you know, calling plays for Jared Goff, and completely just re- you know revamping these guys' entire careers or starting them off on the right track due to the play calling, and you, you don't always get that. Um, tell us a little bit about Wally Triplett. I didn't know who this gentleman was, but he's kind of important to you, I. 
Well, there's a chant called, if, every, if you ever hear Penn State fan goes, we are, and then goes, we are, and then someone says Penn State. And it started in 1946 while he was one of two African-Americans on the Penn State football team. And they were supposed to go to play Miami in the game. And Miami said, well, you guys can come down here. It's great, Penn State, Miami. And they said, but you can't bring your two African-Americans. And you can't play the game. And Penn State just can't, ended up canceling the game, not playing the game, um, saying we're not, you know, not going to have anyone there. But in 1947, they qualified for the Cotton Bowl to play against SMU. And they were supposed to go. And, and Wally was the only African-American on the team at the time. And they were supposed to go down there. He was a great wide receiver uh, for Penn State. And uh, SMU called Penn State and said, we would like to have a discussion about Wally Triplett playing, uh, playing in, in this game. We want to have discussion. Crazy. And Penn State's response was, there's no discussion. We are Penn State. Wally went down played in the game. It was a tie. He scored the get- tying touchdown to-, to tie the game at the end of the game. And uh, so he's 92 years old. He passed away this week. Uh, he had a distinguished, uh, he played in the NFL. Uh, it was one of the, I think, the first African-American drafted in the NFL. So a- a- another amazing story about him. And, uh, and, and he's been a great friend of Penn State and goes back. I've seen him at many games. Uh, but just a truly inspiring story. And that's where the chant, when people say, we are Penn State, that's where the chant comes from. It's 714, Ira on Sports, 95.9, the true oldies channel. Mike and Sean are here as well. Let's talk about Syracuse and Louisville, Ira. This one did not go good for Louisville. They're not, they're not having a good season, and Bobby Petrino is going to pay for it, huh? Well, that was a Friday night game, and I, you know, we're just saying, why should we bring this up? Because we want to talk about like the best games of the week. But I do think it is interesting because Syracuse next week plays in the game. Yep. which is against um, uh, Notre Dame. I mean, that's going to be, a, for all the Notre Dame haters, 2.30, Yankee Stadium, Syracuse, Notre Dame. This <laughs> is the only thing that's going to stop Notre Dame from being in the playoffs, unless they go, unless USC can, can do something. Um, and really, I mean, they, uh, Dino Babers at Syracuse has really turned around this program. He was, interesting thing about it, he's from Eastern Illinois, where he coached Jimmy Garoppolo. Then he goes to Bowling Green for two years, just like what Urban Meyer did. And he was four and eight for two years. People were like, "Well, he stinks. He's awful." And now the last, this year, he's eight and two. They're ranked twelfth. And I mean, they dismantled Louisville, fifty-four twenty-three. So much so that Louisville, who's now two and eight, they fired Guavino after the game. And he's a successful coach, one of the most wins in the history of Louisville. And he had Lamar Jackson the last couple of years. But I just think it's interesting from the point of this is Syracuse. Can Syracuse? Pull, I mean, they, they, there were losses this year were to Pitt, and they lost a very you know, close game to Clemson. And could they be the team that finally beats Notre Dame? Well, let's talk about Notre Dame for a second because they had a convincing win over Florida State. Um, no, yeah, granted, Florida State isn't what they used to be, but they, they shellacked them. It was 42 to 13. Notre Dame is uh, making people look silly. Yeah, I mean, that game, again, I don't think people for I mean, Florida, Notre Dame was favored by 15, 16 going in the game. I don't know why they wore their, they wore their green jerseys for the fourth time in Brian Kelly's history. Um, they used to wear, before 1964, they always wore green. And the green is famous because in 1977, uh, when Joe Montana was a quarterback, they came out in green jerseys for the first time in like 13 years. They ended up beating USC 49 to 19. But it didn't really matter. They could have worn, uh, any kind of jersey. They were up 32-6 at halftime. Uh, this Florida State team is who they are. They're four and six. They're not going to go to a bowl. And uh, they and, and Notre Dame did not even have their starting quarterback Ian Book and uh, uh, Wimbush played great and as a as in relief. But it was just I mean Dexter Williams two things since the beginning of the year uh, they got Ian Book as a great quarterback and this Dexter Williams ran for 200 yards. He didn't play for the first uh, four games of the season and he's played great. 
I was not a fan. I was not sold on Notre Dame. And now I'm starting to get sold on them. Like, I don't think they're going to lose. They've sold. Like, they're going to make the playoffs. And they, uh, because they don't play in the championship game. And they look great. I mean, they're just rolling. Shawnee, what about you? You giving uh, you giving old Q's a fighting chance versus Notre Dame? This is pretty much the only decent game next week, or the game that everyone's going to be well yeah. wanting to see. You think uh, you think they got a shot? Yeah, you know, I I think they do because the game is played at uh, it's at Yankee Stadium. So being from New York, you know, there's a lot of Q's fans out there. So it will be a home game for Notre Dame, uh, but expect it to probably be maybe close to I would say a sixty to thirty, uh, sixty to forty split uh, in, in terms of fans and you know Ira brought up a good point in terms of that Clemson game I, I know that Lawrence went down in that game but it's still Clemson and and Syracuse was winning that game and it took a, a, a heroic effort in the second half uh, for Clemson to come back and squeak out a four-point win there so they definitely have a chance uh, it, it, it Ian Book going down with the injury they I think it was more precautionary if this was a better team not Florida State he probably could have played uh, I do like Williams coming back I mean he's looked fantastic since he's come back and this is probably the best collection of offensive talent that Brian Kelly's had. Uh, and he's been, you know, he's known as an offensive uh, uh, coach, uh, minded coach. So I think this is their biggest test um, coming up against Syracuse. And Eric Dungy, the quarterback there for Syracuse, I mean, he's having a phenomenal year. So um, I wouldn't count out Syracuse. I do expect Notre Dame. I think they are the better team. Uh, but there is a lot of fight in the Syracuse team, and, and they definitely have a chance. Ira, you giving, uh, you giving old Syracuse a chance, neutral site versus Notre Dame? I hope. I mean, I hope they do. I just, <laughs> I, I just think there's. I, I just think Notre Dame's going to win the game. They look good. I mean, they look much better. I think Syracuse might have got him a couple weeks ago, but if Book comes back and plays, and he should, um, I think Notre Dame. Notre Dame. They're nine, I, this, the line surprises me. This sounded. This felt like a six or seven point line. It's like nine and a half. Nine and a half line. It's nine and a half. Um, but uh, I would take Syracuse with a point. Yes. But I think Notre Dame will win the game. Well, since you're broadcasting live from the uh, Win Sportsbook in Las Vegas, go ahead and throw that down, Ira. Put your money, uh, put your money up. <laughs> Seven eighteen, Ira on Sports True Oldies Channel. Ira, something we all know Alabama is pretty darn good when it comes to football, but they did something that hasn't happened in forty years over the weekend. Tell us about it. Back to back shutouts on an SEC team, which I was shocked to see. But uh, they beat Mississippi State twenty four nothing. I got back, I mean, because the Penn State game was over so fast, I could actually get back and watch the game. And uh, it was, uh, this was Tua's first game. You know what, we're going to talk about Kansas City and Pat Mahomes and how he did not have, he had sort of like, he struggled a little bit game. And I guess the secret, if somehow is to penetrate that Alabama offensive line, because he had, uh, there were four sacks and they forced a fumble against him. So I guess he was Mahomes, they had, I think, five or six sacks on Pat Mahomes for Kansas City. But he was a little off, 14 for 21, 164 yards. But they're up 21 nothing. I mean, what was so before early in the season, we'll say, well, Alabama's offense is really, really good, but their defense has some problems. Well, now their defense doesn't seem any problems <laughs> at all. Their offense is still amazing. And, uh, you know, they have a 24 consecutive home win, matching their total from Bear Bryant in 71 to 74. Um, it's interesting. On Mississippi State, their defense looks great. And it's a team that I think coming forward is going to go because Joe Moorhead was the offensive coordinator at Penn State with a Barkley McSorley the last couple of years when they put all the points up, and you see how Penn State's struggling this year, really missing Moorhead. So you've got to think that he's going to get his offense going at Mississippi State, and if he has that defense that play, that's looking, it's like the best defense Alabama's played all year, uh, besides even better than LSU's defense, at that point you'd like to think in the future that Mississippi State's going to have a – you know, maybe next year is going to be a top 10 team. Yeah, and I think the craziest part about that stat too, uh, Ira, is that it, both teams ranked. 
it's not like they did this at the bottom of the SEC, you know, taking on an Arkansas team or, you know, uh, Ole Miss. I mean, it's number seven LSU and number 16 Mississippi State. I think that's what, it, it, you know, is, is really extremely impressive is that these are two teams that have gone out and, you know, won a bunch of games, scored a bunch of points, and done it against stiff competition, and they go out and lay a goose egg against Alabama. So uh, kind of taken aback by the 40 years, but to see that it was two ranked teams and not just two bottom-of-the-barrel teams, I mean, I thought that was the most impressive uh, uh, part of this feat. I, I think, um, you know, the 40 years thing, is, it's always one of those things, crazy. you see something in baseball happen, and you're like, oh, this probably has never happened before, and it happened like a year ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because baseball is so many games, it just happens like that. 40 years is a really long time. Yep. <laughs> so uh, that, that, that is an amazing stat. We do have news. Uh, Nick Saban has come out and says that Tua will play next week versus the Citadel. We'll see how that goes. Uh, you know, I, I was really, really excited for college game day. I've always been a, a fan of Boston College, and it's not that I was giving them a shot against Clemson. But they were a ranked team. I didn't think they were going to get uh, beat as badly as they did. Yeah, I, well, I think when you when Clemson's defense, again, the same thing. Their defense didn't look good at the beginning of the year. You saw them against Texas A&M when they scored all the points against them. And you're like, maybe Clemson's D is a little overrated, even though they have all these NFL pro prospects. Well, they're coming on. I mean, they look tremendous. And they knocked Boston College's quarterback out the first play of the game. Uh, and they really weren't the same afterwards. And Trevor Lawrence, I mean... When you look at Trevor Lawrence, are you like, can he start for uh, uh, Buffalo, the Jets? I mean, how many NFL teams would take Trevor Lawrence tomorrow as their starting quarterback? He is fantastic. Uh, 29 for 40, 295 yards and a touchdown. Um, again, they, uh, they jump out to this huge lead and then just coast away. And, uh, you know, there's an interesting stat. Boston College had a fumble, like a mile for 40 yards, but their stats were they carried the ball 33 yards, 33 times for nine yards. <laughs> So that average of .00 whatever a carry, but a great win for Clemson, and Clemson looks like they're unbeatable too. I mean, it's just it's just it's just shaping up to be Alabama, Clemson as the two best teams, uh, and it's it's amazing that it's, we've been talking about these two teams all year, and it's, no one's beating them. Do either of you know if Trevor Lawrence is uh, going to co- register for the draft? Is he? No, nah, he's, he's a he's a true freshman. I mean, he's he he was tabbed as the second coming of Peyton Manning. I mean, that's that's that was his comp coming coming out of high school. Is that the way he prepares the you know his his arm, the way he reads a defense, his footwork? I mean, he is the second coming of Peyton Manning. And if you even look at his body, I mean, they kind of even look the same. They they. They benched Kelly Bryant, who took this team after Watson left to 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 the college football playoff and the and the championship game. I mean, so that's how good Trevor Lawrence is, and the fact that you know he could take that spot and he's performing the way that he is, and you have that defense which has you know four guys four guys on the D line, three of which should be first round picks, a cornerback that'll be a first round pick. I mean, you have five to six guys on that defense that are going to get drafted in the first three rounds of the NFL draft. To couple that with the second coming of Peyton Manning on <laughs> offense, I mean, it's it's it, you're starting to see them fire on all cylinders. So Iron brings up a good point. I, I do believe, depending on how the seeding goes, uh, it, we're, we're, we most likely will see another Alabama Clemson uh, uh, national championship game. I'll be looking forward to it. Keeping it in college football here on Iron Sports and the True Oldies Channel, Michigan and Rutgers. This one was a very lopsided affair, and it looks like I think Michigan may be punching. I mean, not, not that this is a huge signature win, Ira, but it looks like Michigan might be shaping up to, to find its way into one of those final spots. Well, I think we're going to talk about that in a second, but it looks like as we just talked about one, two, and three. Bama one, Clemson two, Notre Dame three, 
who's going to be that fourth spot? Who, what team is going to be in that fourth that would probably play Bama in the first round of the playoffs? And Michigan, again, is they, they've lost to Notre Dame. It's the only loss they've had all the year. But, again, you know, the Rutgers is terrible. They come and they do what they have to do. And uh, it's just setting up now, you know, for the, for the big game against Ohio State. Uh, if they get by this weekend, they're going to, with Indiana, they're going to be, uh, you know, like Ohio State, Michigan. And a lot of people, what I'm going to, we're going to talk about in a second, but a lot of people amazing. are not giving Ohio State any chance in that game. I'll say there's one loss, too. They lost to Purdue. Uh, the winner of that game will probably, I think, be that fourth spot. Um, everyone's just banking that Michigan's going to beat, but it's at Ohio State. They've lost six years in a row to Ohio State. Like, I, it's not, don't, just put, don't just pencil Michigan into that fourth spot in that championship. They still have to beat Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, Iowa State's coming off a win versus a ranked uh, Michigan State team as well, one by 20 points. So they're definitely going to be, uh, you know, someone to, to be uh, feared. Let's talk about the number five team in the country. It's Georgia. They're really eyeing up that final spot as well, and they looked pretty good, Ira, uh, handily beating Auburn 27-10. to 10. Well, I had one of my best friends was at the game, and he said, I've been to Georgia Athens for a game. I said the same thing. Amazing atmosphere. I mean, this guy has been to like events like I go, and he said one of the best atmospheres he's ever been to in his entire life. Uh, and uh, it's just it's just something to see. The fans are into it. It's a great team, great tradition. I mean, they're running backs. I mean, you watch the NFL. I mean, it's every running back either it seems like Alabama or Georgia running back, and then they, they have two that are going to be pro prospects. Swift ran for 17 carries, 106 yards. Holyfield 15 for 93. They beat Auburn 27 to 10. Um, they're rolling along, and as we talked about in terms of who's going to be that fourth spot, all they have to do is they just have to be they have to be Georgia Tech, and then they have to be uh, Alabama, which is my, and they're going to be in it. And they beat Alabama; they're at the fourth spot. I don't care. I have friends who are yeah. Michigan fans. Ohio. I mean, if Georgia beats Alabama in the SEC championship game, Alabama's still going to be in the in the final four. But Georgia's going to have to be in it. It's going to bump Michigan, Ohio State, Oklahoma, West Virginia, all those other teams out. It's going to be uh, really interesting to see how that plays out, and we'll get to uh, you guys' picks on that in just a second. But first, Ira, one of my favorite things um, that we do here on Ira on Sports is you uh, constantly blasting the Big 12. <laughs> they, they just don't want to play any defense, and I think that's pretty much what we got, a flag football game with uh, Oklahoma and OK State, 48-47. to 47. I got to watch it. I mean, tell you, the games are entertaining. I, I, but they're, because they're actually competitive, unlike the Pro Bowl. But watch the games. I mean, I cannot. The commentators are not harsh on these teams. There is just no tackling. It is flag football. Like they're reaching for flags. Like if some, if a running back or wide receiver has a head of steam, the defense just lets him score. It is, they just <laughs> nobody wants to tackle. I, I just think there's a rule that we do not tackle in this league. It is unbelievable. Oklahoma now in back-to-back weeks gave up 46 points. Last week to Texas Tech, they gave up 47 this week. They gave up 93 points in two weeks, and they won both games. This is insanity. I mean, the, the numbers are crazy. The quarterback for, uh, for Oklahoma State, uh, Taylor Cornelius, threw for 34 for 50 for 503 yeah, yards and three touchdowns and lost. <laughs> Oklahoma State had 640 yards in offense. Oklahoma had 702. Now, I know we threw out stats all the time, but that's just enormous numbers like you know that's what you hear from division three division four whatever high school you know football like that and uh it was just it's just a crazy game back and forth back and forth everyone scoring the interesting stat i love you know the third down oklahoma was only three and ten on third down three they've scored they scored 48 points but they were three and ten on on third down meaning that just every play was a long running play for a touchdown and oklahoma state scored with a minute to go and they were down to round one and instead of going and kicking extra point, they just went for two. And Cornelius 
he had the receiver if he threw it open, but he, he missed the pass. He had a great game, and then Oklahoma ends up winning by one. But the lack of their defense uh, is just going to – there's no way they're going to put them ahead of our, uh, Michigan over Ohio State. Uh, there's, I mean, they're going to have to hope that Michigan Ohio State somehow lose twice. But uh, I don't see Oklahoma or West Virginia jumping into that fourth spot. You know, uh, Sean, there's a lot of rumors going around today that your boy Jerry Jones has been targeting Oklahoma's uh, coach, Lincoln Riley, and that they want uh, he might be the heir apparent to Jason Garrett. Have you read into this at all? Well, I hope he's not the heir apparent of Jason Garrett. But uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, I think he's a great coach, I think. In terms of the play calling style that he does, he obviously had, did a fantastic job with Baker Mayfield. Uh, Kyler Murray to come in and you know get drafted six overall in the MLB draft and decide he wanted to play one more year of football before he uh, uh, you know took on his pro baseball career and and the year that he's having is almost better than any year that that um, uh, Baker Mayfield had and Baker Mayfield went out and won a won a Heisman. So um, I think he's a good coach, young coach. I don't know if he's ready for the pro ranks just yet, but. Uh, uh, the rumors that were swirling is, you know, because the proximity of Oklahoma and, and North Texas is that is his dream job. Uh, I've also heard him paired with the Browns. The He's Browns looking for, looking for a new head coach, so potentially going to Cleveland and reuniting with, with uh, Baker. But um, the rumors were that if he was to leave Oklahoma, uh, he, he would only do it for a pro job and it would be the Dallas Cowboys. So. It's 7.30, Iron Sports, 95.9, True Oldies Channel. Mike and Sean, we've got you covered as well. Ira, nine teams are fighting for the final four spots in the uh, college football playoff. Why don't you break it down? Well, as we talked about before, Alabama has Auburn and Georgia left. They're going to have massive favorite over Auburn in two weeks. They play the Citadel this week. That's a scrimmage. And then they'll play Georgia. <laughs> they're in. I think Alabama, they beat Auburn. They're in no matter what. They're in the play. They're actually, Alabama and Georgia are set for the, the, the SEC championship game. Clemson has Duke um, ne- next week where they're favored by 27 points. And then they, uh, then they play South Carolina, who they should easily dispatch. And then they have the ACC championship game. The weird thing about that game there is Pitt, who is six and 6-4, but they're 5-1 in the conference. They may play Pitt in the ACC championship game and be like a 30-point favorite in that game. <laughs> so it's just hard to see where Clemson and Alabama. I mean, I see Georgia maybe being Alabama, but Clemson is just – I just can't see them losing. They're, they're definitely going to be in the playoffs. Then Notre Dame, we have Notre Dame. So Notre Dame goes – they have Syracuse, which could be a loss, and then you at USC – uh, and then they don't play in the championship game. So one, two, and three look like they're going to be in. Michigan, they have that loss to Notre Dame. They play Indiana, then they play Ohio State. And Ohio State has the same situation where they play Maryland, and then they play Michigan. But the weird thing about the Big Ten is you're like, oh, then there should be a championship game. Northwestern, who is six and 6-4 on the year, have clinched themselves in the conference playoff game. They could actually lose to Minnesota, lose, lose to Illinois, be 6-6 six and six and play in the Big Ten championship game, which is insane. Now, the WVU's in Oklahoma situation, WVU actually plays at Oklahoma State. They're the one team that could lose next week because they have, like, uh, they have, I think their, their line is like 7.5. So they potentially could lose. I mean, watch this game. It's going to be another 50-48 to 48 game. And then Oklahoma plays Kansas, and then they play West Virginia, then they replay each other again. Uh, and then Washington State just sits out there hoping total chaos happens. And the only thing <laughs> I say about Washington State is their uh, Minshaw, their quarterback, he's is great definitely going to be in uh, New York. Uh, he's 35 for 58, 335 yards this week, two touchdowns for the year. He's 29 touchdowns, seven interceptions. He's phenomenal. He's a great quarterback. He's a great story. Mike Leach is doing an amazing job there at Washington State. I'm telling you, I think Mike Leach is going to be a candidate for Maryland. He's going to be a candidate for a lot of these other jobs uh, that are going to come open this year. Um, just an amazing thing. But 
they're, they're out there. And then UCF, they place the game day is going to be at Orlando next week. Uh, they play Cincinnati. Everything could possibly happen. Everybody has two losses. Perhaps they can sneak in and get that fourth spot. But uh, I'm telling you, every year college football is chaos, chaos, chaos. And this year has just been Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. There really has not been that chaos. And there's only, there's only like two to three more weeks. I mean, actually, next week nothing's going to happen. But after that, just two more weeks that are potentially going to be chaos. So let's go. You're at the Win Sportsbook in Las Vegas. If you had to be, uh, if you had to throw some money on it right now, I who are you taking to get that final spot in the playoff? I think Ohio State beats Michigan. I think I think I just for some reason Michigan loses every year to Ohio State. I think they're playing at home. Uh, Ohio State has been talented. I think the one thing about Ohio State is their A game. I think beats Michigan's A game, and I think Ohio State wins that game. I think that the Oklahoma West Virginia people will complain, well, they don't deserve it, whatever. But I think they get in that spot, and I think it'll be just Alabama one. Alabama play Ohio State, and then Clemson will play Notre Dame uh, in the other playoff spot. But I really think it's those four teams. Uh, but again, it's just it's going to be great. I love college football. I love watching all the games. Uh, it's it's tremendous, and uh, I'm I'm upset that this week is so bad. I, I'm upset that this week that Rice is at LSU minus 44, and Alabama is playing the <laughs> Citadel, and. UMass is at Georgia and Kansas is a forty-point underdog <laughs> at Oklahoma. I mean, it's just um, we're just getting spoiled. Like, what a wasted week! There's yeah. only a couple more weeks left, and this is just a throwaway week of football. Yeah, these games should have been played in the in the beginning of the year to have Alabama potentially get somebody injured playing the Citadel with two weeks left. Uh, you know, before the college football playoff, I think is is nuts. Shoney, who are you taking uh, for your final spot? Well, I think the top three are settled. I I. I... I think it'll be a revenge game for Georgia against Alabama, and I think that game will be closer than people uh, think. But I think Alabama's just a lot more talented this year than they were last year. And with Tua having a full season under his belt, and I mean, he is, he's absolutely unbelievable. I think Alabama will handle Georgia. So you have Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. I'll go on the reverse. I, I put Michigan in my top four at the beginning of the year, and that's why I was so upset when they actually lost to Notre Dame. I thought Michigan, and we could even go back. I mean, we talked about the first week. I thought Michigan, was, with bringing Shea Patterson in, I thought they were just going to be a different team. Their defense didn't show up that game. Shea actually got hurt, uh, I believe, in the third quarter. He had to come out, uh, but did not play. A lot of jitters, you know, his first game playing, you know, coming from old Ole Miss. But I think Michigan, at some point, Harbaugh has to win that game. Ira brings up a good point. Ohio State always pulls it out, but at some point, Harbaugh has to win that game, and I think it'll be this year, uh, and I think they'll punch their ticket as their one loss is to the number three team in the country, to Notre Dame. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. There is one game I am looking forward to this week, I at Cincy and UCF. You gotta, you gotta, especially being in Florida, you got a kind of a soft spot for these uh, UCF nights. College game day is going to be there, so I'll be, I'll be checking that out. At 7.35, Ira on Sports 95.9, true oldies channel Mike and Sean we are here as well um, let's jump into the NFL you were at the game the Steelers absolutely destroyed Cam Newton and the Panthers I gotta tell you I I was one of these guys you know for fantasy purposes it wasn't buying the, the Christian McCaffrey train it kind of was underwhelming last year for where he was getting drafted and he was on my do not draft list for where uh, you know where he was going this year and I was clearly clearly wrong on that um, so tell us about that game and Thursday night football it really is kind of a, it's kind of a mess. Well, the good thing is the games have been great this year. I mean, they've got some great matchups. In the years past, it was like it seemed like every game was like tonight: the Giants playing yeah. the 49ers. <laughs> but I mean, this is a. I mean, Carolina was six and three going into the game. I mean, they're a, this is a premier matchup game. 
Um, but it's weird is that the way they do it is if you play at home, though, you cannot host a Thursday night game unless you're on the road the week before. So the Steelers were on the road against the Ravens, then they played at home, and then Carolina was at home and then came up and played a Thursday night game. But so far this year, the home teams are 7-2. and two. The only teams to lose are the Giants and Arizona, two terrible teams, the home teams that lost. But in the years we've been playing Thursday night football, the home teams, it's one of the, the best uh, in, here in Vegas, but one of the biggest favorites in sports is a home Thursday night football team. The advantage is so great because you have such little turning around time. You're playing a Sunday night, you're playing a game, suddenly you have to go, you have no practice at all all week, and you're playing a game on Thursday. It's not like even a game on Saturday or Friday. Thursday gives one day of travel, one day to recover, and one day to walk through. And that's why these games have been so sloppy. And also, one what, these games have tended to be a little blowouts is that once a team gets a lead, the other team can't catch up, and that's sort of what happened on Thursday. But uh, it has been it is really interesting. But Fox is paying this year uh, fifty million dollars a game. That's why you see Aikman and Buck on the game. You know they are treating it like a major game, and I think the and the ratings are up this year too because of the games and the fact that Fox took this over and uh, and and they're treating it like a TV show that's on Thursday night. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about the game itself. Like I said, Christian McCaffrey, you know, there if if you had anybody on your fantasy team that was involved in this game, you you scored some points, Ira. <laughs> um, you know, Juju and Antonio both uh, both had touchdowns. Tell us about it. Well, I think it was interesting is that the first drive down Carolina goes down and they score like on four plays. McCaffrey was just took a screen pass and went in. I mean. He's having a huge year, as you mentioned. I mean, last year he rushed for 435 yards. This year he has 579 for the whole year. And he's always somebody who's 80 catches last year, and this year he's on pace for like 90. Uh, and he is now, I mean, he's great. He's staying healthy, playing all the games. So they go down, like, oh, I'm nervous. Oh. But then in 11 seconds, the Steelers come down. To, Juju scores a 75-yard touchdown pass. The next thing, Ken Dugan gets the ball and throws a pick six to Vince Williams, the one who replaced uh, uh, Ryan Shazier, who's, now Vince is really picking it up. And suddenly in 11 seconds, the Steelers up 14-7. And uh, uh, they just, and they capped it off. I mean, they just rolled the entire first half and the second half. They, uh, they uh, uh, were up 31-14 at halftime. Uh, Antonio Brown had an amazing catch. And then they started the second half uh, with, with, two, with three more touchdowns. And then Carolina fumbled the ball, and they got the ball, and it was 52-14. I mean, in an NFL game, 52-14, I mean, that's, again, high school football, Big 12 football maybe, but not the NFL games. I mean, it was, I mean, in the first, let's get this straight. The Steelers had the ball, their first seven drives, six touchdowns, and one field goal. And that was a 50-yard field goal. So, uh, just amazing. Ben was 22-25 for 328 yards and five touchdowns. Um, and what's exciting about them is you're now seeing, like, when, when the emperor said, you'll see the full power of the, the Death Star, you know, like the paddle stations or whatever. <laughs> it's like, finally, what, I mean, everyone's saying, aren't you surprised about this? I was like, oh, no, I'm not. This is the Steeler team that I thought was the Steeler team, which yeah. was a very good defense that had a great defensive line that was going to pressure, have Joe Hayden in that corner and play well. An offense that was Juju, Antonio Brown play so well. Now, we don't have Lady and Bell, but James Conner is playing just as well, and you look at his numbers, and they're now Randy Fickner, the offensive coordinators, mixing in Vance McDonald, Jesse James, the tight end, the fullbacks. It's unstoppable. I mean, this is exactly the team that I thought Steelers were going to be. They're the number two seed right now. They're going to win the Super Bowl, and this is a team that I thought <laughs> 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 we're a one, two, and one, and tying the round. 
<laughs> I, I love that you, you're never uh, never shy about being a homer, especially Modest. when it comes to your Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> it's 740 Iron Sports, True Oldies Channel, Mike and Sean. Um, we'll talk about uh, um, Le'Veon Bell in a second because I just have no idea what's going on with this guy. But Joe Hayden, what a what a move that was. I mean, I feel like he was a diamond in the rough on an awful Cleveland Browns team for Gator. years. Yes, yeah, you have. Um, all of a sudden, he just falls off, and he's kind of discarded, and you know, here he is having a resurgence uh, with the black and gold. Ira, tell us what's going on with everyone's favorite running back to hate, Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> well, I, I mean, look, I don't know. and that, What's so funny is you're at the game, and everyone is talking about him. Like, he's tweeting. Like, there's five tweets in the game, and every little kid is on Twitter that has this, like, the updates from Le'Veon Bell, their phone's ringing. Like, literally, when he tweeted, you could hear ding, 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 all around. Like, everyone has a special <laughs> ring for Le'Veon's tweet. And he's like, all this crazy stuff that none of it made, it's all cryptic. It's all whatever. First, he was in Florida. I'm coming to Pittsburgh. Like, I want to tell you something. I don't know people that most people do not <laughs> in Florida in November do not go up to 30 degree temperatures in Pittsburgh for relaxation. So everybody is <laughs> leaving Miami, going to Pittsburgh. You're going to be playing football. You just don't go hang out in Pittsburgh to go to the LA Fitness and go shoot hoop, basketball hoops. So who knows what he's going to do? I mean, ESPN reports that he won't show. The Steelers don't know. I mean, we're still, but we'll know. The thing is, we're going to know now in 24 hours. Because if he doesn't show up by tomorrow, it's over. It's done. He cannot play for the Steelers, and he'll never play for them again. They could maybe transition tag him, but he'll sign with another team. But they can't franchise him again because it'd be $25 million. They're not going to lock in the $25 million total for him. But we're, this whole saga of Le'Veon Bell is going to be decided tomorrow because if he doesn't, then he's going to throw away the $15 million this year, uh, and he will not be a Steeler ever again. He probably won't be a Steeler after this year anyway. Hmm. But it's all going to be resolved. But something, I think the team has rallied around James Conner. They've rallied around. They have not let all the whole Lady and Bell thing distract them. They're on a roll. They're playing great. And, uh, I mean, the fans, from a perspective of talking to the fans, like, I personally would like him back. I think it would help. Connor could get hurt. I've seen the Steelers in playoffs have injuries. I think you can't have too much talent as much as it would hurt to think. So I'd like to have him back. But if you hear the talk shows, if you walk in the stands, nobody wants him back. I mean, he's going to be booed. Yeah. He comes back, they're going to boo him. Um, and, uh, but it's just, I think, I, I can't predict which way he's going to go. Let's talk about, you know, you mentioned the Le'Veon Bell tweets. Listen to this from uh, 2013, Mr. Hypocrite over oh, here. I love it. If you could sit out a year of a sport you play and you're not injured or something else is preventing you to play, then you don't love it. Uh, in 2014, I can care less about the fame or money. I just want to be remembered as the best. Forget everything else. People disrespectful to this game. So <laughs> <laughs> obviously Le'Veon Bell has uh, you know, changed the tune a little bit when it comes to this. Sean, what do you think is going to happen with the Le'Veon Bell saga? Well, I, I think you know the reports are that he was planning to report then the agent found out that uh, if he doesn't report, they can only do the transitional tag, and then the tag goes up to $25 million, um, which they know Pittsburgh won't do. So the the argument was is that he has to play or there'd, there'd be repercussions to his free agency next year. Well, there's a loophole around that where then he can become a free agent uh, next year. So, I mean, at the, at the end of the day, you'll hear a ton of players saying, you know, he's doing what's best for his future. You know, teams can cut players at any time. They can ask him to take pay cuts, um, and, you know, and that, that's completely fine. But if, if players do it, then the fans uh, backlash. Is it something I would do? No. Is it something that I'd want somebody on my team to do? Absolutely not. But also, too, if I'm the Steelers, I'm looking at it. Okay, you know, James Conner, I think you have two more years of control on his rookie contract. Yeah, rookie so you have four years. He's, you're paying him next to nothing because I think he got drafted in the 
fourth round IRA or fifth round. And and if you look yeah, at his number, yeah, seven hundred thousand. Yeah, exactly. And if you look at the numbers, he's actually performing better with even in all aspects. I mean, they were they were nervous. Can he catch the ball and can he run out of the backfield? He's doing that at a better clip through the first nine weeks of a season than than Le'Veon Bell has ever done. They they went back and they looked at. I saw the graphic. I don't have the exact stats, uh, but I, I remember too. The one was uh, Connors is up to ten touchdowns. Le'Veon only had five. I mean, so Connors is outperforming everything that they're doing. And, you know, going back to this guy's story, being a Pittsburgh guy, going to Pitt, having cancer, coming back. I mean, they, they, this kid could have died and he's coming back and he's he's performing. He's doing it the right way. He's endeared himself to, one, that team, to his coaching staff, and to the fans that if I'm the Steelers, I would have tried to trade him at all costs, got anything. Uh, I don't think they handled that well, but I, I, I would, you know, at, at this point, just cut bait and get Le'Veon Bell out because you have a great young town in James Conner uh, who's doing it the right way. Yeah, talk about, uh, you know, fitting the mold of what Pittsburgh Steelers oh my fans yeah, want yeah. a player to be. I mean, <laughs> yeah, the guy Conner is absolutely, you know, checks every box. Now Le'Veon, blue collar. Yeah, and now Le'Veon's coming out as, you know, a real piece of work. Yeah. It, just, it, it makes perfect sense. I, I don't expect to see uh, Le'Veon in, in uh, orange, uh, in yellow and black next season. Sean, a lot of media pundits were calling it, um, you know, even Ezekiel Elliott came out and said that the Cowboys were must win versus the Eagles um, this past week. Got to tell you, I didn't think you guys were going to win. I thought that, uh, you know, Philly's obviously not having the, you know, the season they had last year, but uh, you guys have looked bad coming into yeah. this. Did you think this was a must win? And, you know, how did you guys you know, manage to pull this out? Well, it was definitely a must win. Um, I think that, you know, it, one, it's a division game, and you know anything can happen, in, especially in the NFC East. I mean, we just kind of beat up each other. D- doesn't matter. Throw out the records whenever it comes to a division game, yeah. uh, you know, in, in the NFL. So I don't really put too much stock into that. But it was a must win game. I mean, you drop to three and six if you lose. Um I, I think when you look at it, though, it really showcases where these two teams have gone. Uh, you know, from the Cowboys from two years ago with the, the rookie season, from Dak and, and uh, Zeke to even last year with Wentz. I mean, we they're two different teams. And the biggest thing is the line up front. Cowboys defense has been playing phenomenal, but Wentz is under immense pressure almost every single game. Uh, same thing with Dak. I know a lot goes puts on, on on Dak's shoulders where he's missing throws. He's this, but he has no time. I mean, there was one stat I saw 2016. He was hit 60 times. In 2017, he was hit 77 times. It's been nine games, and he's already been hit 60 times. So we lost our, our all-pro center. Uh, Zach Martin went out for about a quarter. Uh, we lost our starting left tackle. I mean, so the offensive line for both teams is absolutely decimated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I definitely think it was a must-win for the Cowboys because if you look at the schedule coming up, there's some winnable games there, and they can make up some significant ground. Um, you know, it helps that you know Carolina lost, the Eagles lost, but we have Atlanta coming up, which they just lost to the Browns because their defense is atrocious. Then you have the rematch against the Redskins and then you have the Eagles again. Well, the Eagles are now 4-5 and and guess who they get coming in? The Saints who are absolutely rolling on all, are just, are just on all cylinders right now. Firing on all cylinders. So I think it was, it it was a must win game for both teams and I'm just happy the Cowboys came out on top. Ira, let's talk about um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is back to being Ryan Fitzpatrick, and this was probably the ugliest game of the week. It was the Redskins versus the Bucks. Let's hear about it. It's just amazing, the stat line. Well, first of all, what's interesting about the Redskins is Alex Smith is playing like the Alex Smith did at the 49ers. Alex Smith with the Chiefs, 19 for 27, 278 yards, one touchdown, wins the game. But they only had 200. If I said one team had 500 yards and one team had 200. 80 yards, 
and the other one team had 29 first downs, and the other team had 15, I'd say, well, the team had the most won. But <laughs> they actually lost. I can imagine that with 29 first downs at 500 yards, that the Buccaneers scored three points. I just think that's unbelievable. It's like unheard of. It's impossible. I mean, they only punted once all day. Once all day. And, and he scored, scored three, three points. points. <laughs> they had two interceptions, a fumble, and missed two field goals, and they cut their field goal kicker. I mean, if you miss two field goals down in the NFL, you're cut. Like, it's over. Like, you don't just wait. Like, it's not like you missed two blocks. I mean, it was just the Bucks have been league, league passing attack, and they scored three points in a game, and they punt once. They have 500 yards. Just the stats, just it's just unbelievable that you can actually be as dominant as they were. But the Redskins, what I say is, the Redskins found a way to win. They're six and three. They're yeah. two games up over the Eagles and the the Eagles and the and the Cowboys. And they're oh, they were loving the that Cowboys win. Yeah, for sure, they were very happy. Um. <laughs> that was just it was just a very strange game yeah like you said 500 yards and three points you just you never ever see that this is iron sports at 749 uh, live on 95.9 the true oldies channel mike and sean are here as well i was in new york uh, over the weekend hanging out on sunday with a bunch of my jets fan friends mm. and i got to my friend's house a little bit late and uh, you know it was maybe like 120 and the game was already over what a this was a really bad loss, and I honestly, I thought uh, that Bowles was going to get fired at halftime. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a joke, Ira. Uh, 41 to 10, an awful Buffalo Bills team shellacks the Jets. Well, I think expectations. The Jets, we talked about this last week. The Jets were eight point favorites. When have the Jets ever been eight point favorites? <laughs> they're, they're three and six. They're terrible. They're eight point favorites. They come out. I mean, they were down at halftime 31 to three. The uh, Buffalo started Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley at quarterback, who's been on like eight or nine teams as backups, and and it was just unbelievable. And you saw remember the Bills uh, offense against the Patriots. I think it was that Thursday night, a few nights ago, where they where they you know, they just knock at the offense, where the defense played great, and they're just putting all these points on. Supposedly the Jets had a good defense. That was the strength of their team. Uh, just unbelievable. When people say this is the worst loss in Jets history, and it's. History has had a lot of losses. That's just amazing. That's why we were talking about why I don't really want to talk in our show about like games that don't really matter. But it was just so it stood out. It's like it was one of the worst performances you could ever could imagine an NFL team having. It, it was absolutely disgusting. We got to speak. You know, I don't want to call it disgusting, but the Titans and the Patriots game. You know, it's it's always difficult to go on the road, and the Patriots. You know, they've shown that they do have flaws this year. Um, I wasn't expecting the Titans to to just you know shellack them thirty four to ten, but that that's what a- happened, Ira. And this is, you know, I'm thinking maybe it's some of Mike Vrabel just knowing, you know, having Belichick's number because it's very rare, I that a Bill Belichick led team looks unprepared, and that's exactly what the Patriots looked like yesterday. Well, I think what you're seeing in Mike Vrabel is the quarter, the coach of the Titans, is that you're seeing maybe the first uh, apple from the Belichick tree that really is getting it. I mean, you realize that. I mean, how many of his? I mean, everyone has seemed to fail. Every single person has that has been a coach under Belichick. Everyone hires him. Look at Matt Patricia this year of Detroit. He's telling that Vrabel seems to get it. And, uh, and he's having a tight I mean, they're in every game. They're close. They're battling it. They know how to run the game. You know, I have Deion Lewis, my fantasy team, with him and Henry, but they run 36 times for 160 yards, two touchdowns. And the Patriots, you know, it wasn't like raised through interceptions or fumbles. They had no turnovers the entire game. Neither team had a tumor the whole game. The Patriots, there were 3-13 and 13 on third down. Brable knew exactly what the play calls to do to stop Brady on those third down plays. And, uh, I mean, it was uh, not having Gronk in the game. 
certainly hurts the pass, and they're looking at it, and it's a tough playing on the road. But it's great for the Steelers because now the Patriots, the Steelers are now the second seed. But of course, if the Patriots beat the Steelers in three weeks, then or four weeks, really, then they would get back to that second seed. But it was a it, this is going to hurt the Patriots catching the Chiefs yeah. for the number one seed. In the, yeah, I, I think I, I this was the one o'clock game, and I was watching it from my house. I, I watched, I would say, probably ninety percent of the game, and few takeaways that came out of it. Um, the Titans played the Cowboys, uh, you know, two weeks ago. Mariota looks like a different quarterback. I mean, he threw that one touchdown pass uh, to the post to, to to Corey Davis, and I mean, it was an absolute dime. Um, he has really come on. I think his accuracy's up. You're starting to see flashes from that number five overall pick uh, in Corey Davis. He's finally looking like a true uh, number one wide receiver uh one thing that one of the commentators mentioned was on um Brady just not trusting what he was looking at. Uh, I thought Vrabel disguised a lot of things. Uh, so it's so almost it was it was like Vrabel outcoached Belichick. I, I don't think the Patriots didn't prepare. I just think that Vrabel did a really good job of disguising uh, some of the schemes and, and packages his defense was putting together. And you could just kind of see that in the way Brady was not trusting what he saw, not trusting the lanes that were open. Um, and it looked like for me for the first time that Brady showed a little bit of his age. I mean, I've never seen a game where Brady had so many wobbly balls thrown. I, I can't remember ever. I mean, it, it just seemed like I mean, he, he missed, I think, 18 passes or incompletes. Mm-hmm. I mean, 20, 20 passes. There was a time where he had like eight straight incompletions. I mean, that's something that you never see uh, from Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. So um, I thought it was just a great g- game plan by the Titans. Uh, they did a lot on defense to confuse Brady. I'm not concerned about the Pats, uh, but I think this is maybe a blueprint that other teams can follow in terms of you know how to attack that New England offense. One thing that stands out to me is the touchdown number. I mean, Tom, uh, Brady obviously didn't have a touchdown uh, versus the Titans. Just one against the Packers in, in a in a high scoring game, and then the week before that, no touchdowns versus the Bills. So that's got to be a little bit uh, a little bit concerning there. It's seven fifty four. Ira on Sports ninety five nine True Oldies Channel. Speaking of concerning, Ira, um, if I'm the Rams, yeah, I'm nine and one, but the defense that's supposed to be the best defense in the league. And they are not. <laughs> Didn't look good last week against New Orleans. And now, you know, Seattle is not very good. And they hung 31 points on the Myra. If I'm the Rams, of course my team's good. And I'm going to score points. But do I really think I can go and beat New Orleans now in the NFC Championship game? If that's what it comes to? What do you think, I? Well, it's interesting. Elite quarterbacks could definitely beat the Rams. What an exciting game, though. Russell Wilson, I, I, I mean, he's awesome. Like, yeah. uh, he, he really keeps his teeth in the game. Again, we talked about this last week about Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I don't have enough talent. I have no one around me. I have this. Well, with me, Aaron Rodgers. Russell Wilson should be well with me, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has, there's no wide receivers on his team. There's, his running back is running back. Anyone who's fantasy football, it, it, every week it could be anybody. There could be like one of five choices who's going to be the running back for Seattle. And he sometimes counts, keeps these teams in the game. I know there's more five. I know they're struggling this year. But Russell Wilson played great. But clearly the Rams on defense, they are struggling, you know, back-to-back weeks in terms of difficulty, in terms of uh, uh, with the points. However, Goff, 318 yards. Gurley, 16 carries, 120 yards. I love their offense. Brandon Crooks are getting him involved. Uh, he was phenomenal. I think if he played, he was, he's healthy. He would have won a Super Bowl last year. Um, it was a good win. I, I'm not going to – I'm saying their defense doesn't have problems. I'm concerned if I'm a Rams fan. But their offense is just rolling, and I think their defense is going to figure it out. But they're exciting to watch, and that game was great. 
uh, you want to know what my favorite game of the week was? Let me tell you a story about uh, a few years ago. I always try to go to an away Giants game, see a new stadium. Yeah, traveled to Atlanta. <laughs> I traveled to Atlanta um, for a game, and the Giants got beat 41 to nothing. It was their first time being shut out in about 20 years. I think Thanks, it was Mike. Like, I think it was the mid-'80s. So <laughs> since then, I always hate the Falcons, and they got beat pretty handily by a Cleveland team that is obviously an up-and-coming team, but you don't expect them to not only score 28 points— but hold Atlanta and their powerful offense to just 16. So nice win for Baker and the Browns. Uh, let's get into tonight's game. Who are you taking, Ira? It's going to be uh, the woeful New York Giants versus the woeful San Francisco 49ers. Who you got? I like to, anyone who watched the 49ers play uh, last week. I think that they, I like what they're doing. I mean, I think they're, everything's, they're, you know, they don't Jimmy G, they're horrendous. But Mullins played great. I uh, came in last week. Um, Breda is a very exciting running back, um, and uh, I like uh, Shanahan's play calling with him. I, I, I just think, and I think they're a team that, where the Giants are like, what are we doing, what are we doing? I think the 49ers are a team that's like, you know what, we're, we sort of have a plan in place. We know what, they sort of have a feeling what's going to happen. So I, I, like, I like the 49ers going this game pretty handily. Uh, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you on that one. Uh, Sean, well, who are you taking tonight? I think I'm going to take San Fran, but I think it's going to be a more – exciting game and and actually fun to watch because I think it'll be high scoring. I think the Giants definitely need to establish the run because uh, San Fran's D-line is, is is playing phenomenal. And if they can pin their ear backs and just go, I mean, uh, you know, they got three first-round picks on that on that line now. So I, I do like San Fran in the game only because I think the Giants' woes are huge. I think their offensive line is playing abysmal, probably the worst in the league. Uh, and, and that matchup against the D-line is, uh, is, is, is not going to be fun. But I do expect it to be a more high-scoring game than people think it may be. Um, let's get into basketball real quick. Uh, not that much time left here on Ira on Sports True Oldies channel. Uh, Ira, the Raptors are now on ESPN's power rankings are number one over the Golden <laughs> State Warriors. Not sure I agree with that, but I mean, they're 12-1. and one, And you had predicted Milwaukee would be looking pretty good, and they've come out hot as well. Yeah, I, I'm, well, I'm surprised about the Raptors. Uh, Quali Leonard has uh, nursed the uh, coach, has somehow seamlessly put everybody in there. They have Siakam, a guy that hadn't really played on the team last year. Um, but uh, they, they started well. Let's, everyone should calm down about the NBA in the first month and a half. I mean, what happens is, I mean, I remember once a year Atlanta went out like 15-1 and one and, and really wasn't anything. But, and, he, and this is really a time, remember the season didn't start till like the middle of November years ago. They just, they just started so early. But the Raptors look really good. The Bucks really look good. And the Celtics are struggling. And a team like the Wizards at three and nine look horrendous. And this is like a team that they brought almost everybody back except they added Dwight Howard from our team, Gore Todd. Uh, they were in the final four of the East last year, and they look a team that's not going to even come close to the playoffs right now. So, and then uh, in the East, and then the other move in the East is Sixers. You know, they're just middling at seven and six. They haven't played well. Uh, Fultz has been in the starting lineup and hasn't played great. Uh, and instead, they took Reddick out. They made the trade for Jimmy Butler. Whether that's going to work or not. I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I think they're grasping at straws with this team. It's just not playing like they did last year. Uh, not as hungry as they were last year. And then the Heat. Uh, uh, I, I, the Heat are five and seven. There's everybody seems to be five and seven, but they're they're trending to the Knicks four and ten, the Bulls four and nine yeah. level, and Atlanta, you know, at three and ten, and Cleveland one eleven. Like the Heat, better get their act together because they could fall back into that bottom pack. They haven't played well. 
Um, they've lost a lot of you know games, and then this they have some tough games coming up. They're playing Toronto. Uh, they're playing some tough Brooklyn team that comes up with some wins. Um, so it's interesting to see the, the Heat. I was I was hoping when a muddled East, the Heat would have a better record. I know they're five and seven, and they could be seven to five two game switch, but. Uh, it's just you know you're hoping a little bit more out of the heat. No, you know, and I, I root for the Heat as well, and they're not passing the eye test, and that's you know it, it's the record is what it is, but they just don't look very good, you know, when you're watching them, and they've got some losses to teams that they absolutely should not be losing to. Um, two things surprised me in the West, Ira, and one thing, of course, we all saw coming. Portland playing really good. I like Luka Don uh, Luka Doncic having a you know great start to his career, but. What we did see coming was the Carmelo curse descending on Houston, and they're saying he may have played his last game there. Well, I saw the the Laker Rockets game, the first home game, and that was my. We went on the show. I said the same thing. I go, he does not fit in with his team, and this team looks terrible. I saw that. That was game two. I thought the Rockets looked awful. Um, Harden looked out of shape. Uh, the team didn't look. I mean, this is a team that. that how about last year, the number one offense this year, like the 26? I mean, they went from 1 to 26 in terms of, of the number one offense. They look awful. They look terrible. Um, they have a lot of problems. and But that opens up the West for a lot of other teams to yeah. get that number two spot. Portland is, uh, you know, they kept the, the core of their team intact, McCollum, Lillard, Nurkic, and now they're 10-3 and three and they're playing great. Uh, I think the Thunder has played well 7-5 with Westbrook out. Uh, they've come on, but like teams like you know what's weird about the West? The Spurs are surprising. They're seven of uh, seven and four. Clippers seven and four. Grizzlies seven and four. These teams were people thought would take a step back, and the teams that have not really played that great. The Jazz six and six. The Pelicans six and six. And of course, the Rockets. They haven't played that great, which means there's a lot of teams in that middle, which makes it really exciting. Of course, the Timberwolves have been a complete and utter disaster. But uh, um, you know, it's a uh, it's it, it, I think it's it's. You, as I said, just take with a grain of salt for everything that happens the first week of the season. And then uh, one last team, the Lakers. I really like him. I, I'm going to see him again this week. Um, I, LeBron, yeah, I mean, they're, this, they, I think they look at the West and say, boy, the Rockets don't want to be the two seed. Maybe we could be the two seed. I know that sounds crazy, but LeBron wants, you know, this, <laughs> maybe, the, maybe LeBron's saying, look, I could be the two seed in this. Yeah. Let's talk about, um, let's jump to NCAA. Man, uh, quite the uh, power duo your Duke Blue Devils have at the top there, Ira. Uh, you predicted uh, on this show, you know, that, that that this is a championship team. And you know what? They're looking like it early. Well, my people who listen to this show say I talk about Penn State too much. And I said, well, I talk about Penn State. I think they're going to be national champions. Well, they're not, so and we're not really going to talk about them anymore. But I talk about the Steelers because the Steelers are the premier, one of the like four premier teams in the NFL, and I think everybody wants to hear about the Steelers. So I don't mind talking about them. And certainly Duke, you're going to talk about Duke because this team, I, Chris Maddog Russo said today, they're boring. I don't want to watch them. They're so good. Watch yeah. them. They are amazing. amazing. This is a collection of three superstar, play four with Ty Jones, but uh, Trey Jones. But um, they love playing together like these are this is the anti what everything's wrong with basketball players between them they cam reddish rj barrett and zion williamson are uh they are unselfish they play hard um and they destroyed kentucky i mean the 118 to 84 over the, the, they're the i mean i said they should never have been seated fourth i have today that they were ranked one like it was ridiculous that they were the fourth seated team i mean zion williams i watched the army game oh, it man. was just amazing he was 11 14 27 points 16 boards, 6 blocks, and 4 assists. He blocks shots. He hustles. He dives on the floor. He's LeBron James. I'm yeah. telling you, I, I saw LeBron at the exact same age. He's as good as LeBron was. This guy plays hard. He's athletic. 
He's amazing. And just watch him. It's just, if you want to watch just something special, he, there was one position where he blocked like three shots. He does everything on the court. And someone with his talent and his athletic ability should be lazy, should just like coast. But I'm telling you, LeBron yeah. works hard. Jordan works hard. When you're this good and this talented and you have all this energy, then makes you so exciting and so great to watch yeah and 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 go back to like the recruiting of this um you know these guys and i think it was jones who actually started it because they weren't i I think william uh um williamson was the last to decide but they kind of started a group text and they just they kept saying like hey let's win a national chip let's just go undefeated and they kind of put this thing together with that goal that we want to absolutely dominate college basketball um and and once zion signed on um they kind of knew it and, and you bring up a good point of these guys are so good. I mean, they're going to go one, two, three. Uh, they're all going to be first round picks in the draft, but they're going to, you know, the Reddish, um, um, Barrett, and Zion will be one, two, three in, in whatever order that is, which I think Zion should go first. I mean, he's averaging 20, uh, 27, uh, 11, three assists, three and a half blocks, and a steal a game. I mean, this guy is unbelievable. And where you talk about one thing that Coach K always gets out of his guys, I mean, they always try. I really think that Duke has not just a good chance, an absolute great chance to actually go undefeated this year because of how good these players are and how badly they want to win and how great already, already how well they play together. I mean, when you put four alphas on a court, you know, there there could be, they have no problem sharing the ball. I mean, it, it is such great fundamental team basketball and they're all rooting for the next guy. Um, I, I think this Duke team is going to go down as one of the best teams and, and be up there kind of with that, you know, the, the Fab Five of the Michigans as freshmen coming in and, and really solidifying their place in, in college basketball history because they are that good. Uh, I before we wrap up college basketball, you got to catch up with a good friend of our show. Uh, it's Mike Isolino, your friend who's a coach at Robert Morris. Tell us about uh, how you got to see him. Uh, yeah, I just want to add one more point to what Sean said, which is interesting, is that my whole philosophy on Duke has been that in the last three years, they've outed all these great guys. They won the national title four years ago with, with Grayson Allen, Okafor, and Winslow, and Tyus Jones. And they're like, oh, we're, but the problem was Grayson Allen. As much as I like Grayson Allen as a player, but then the next couple of years kept deferring to him. So the next year they had Brandon Ingram. We saw how great Brandon Ingram is for the Lakers and everything. But they lost 11 games, lost to Oregon, but they were all deferring to Grayson Allen. Next year, Jason Tatum's on the team. Again, they had nine losses and lost to South Carolina. The next year after that, again, deferring to Grayson Allen, deferring to Grayson Allen, Wendell Carter and Bagley. They lose eight games, lose to Kansas. Finally, there's no senior they're deferring to. There's no leadership, but they don't need leadership. These young guys, they are the leaders. They are the winners. You have the most talented players on the team playing the hard in leadership positions. So that was just my, I'm so high on this new team. I just, I mean, I can't be any higher on the team. But I went to see Robert Morris play at USC. So it was interesting going to see at USC the game on Tuesday night, the same time the Kentucky Duke game was on. And uh, they almost beat USC. They were up by five points on a team that, a lot of people had in the top 25, and uh, but they play at the Galen Center. It's a beautiful arena at the USC campus, but there was maybe like 500 fans there. Uh, but uh, it was an exciting game, and they were almost it was, it was like with, with 10 minutes to go in the game, and Robert Wars up five, and, and and USC went on a huge run and won by 20. But it was great to be at the game, and uh, and uh, you know I love college basketball and seeing that atmosphere. Um, all right, guys, before we wrap it up, real quick, Ronald Acuna is going to be your uh, National League Rookie of the Year. You like the pick, guy? 
Yeah, he's had a great year. The Braves are young, and they have a lot of play, young players like him. They might have the rookie next year, and uh, they're a team that's definitely on the rise, and, and it's one of the going to be favorites in the East next year. Shawnee, I think you could have made a case for uh, Juan Soto, maybe a Walker Bueller. You think Ronald Acuna deserves this year? Oh, yeah. I, I think he had an absolutely phenomenal year and kind of uh, was one of the catalysts that turned around uh, that Braves franchise this year and really um, – exceeded expectations for a young Braves team. So uh, hats off to, to Acuna. Uh, going to the American League, and maybe this is my Yankee homerdom showing, but uh, Shohei Otani of the Angels, going to be your American League Rookie of the Year over two uh, two <laughs> budding superstars on the Yankees yeah. in uh, Torres and Miguel Andahar. I really like this pick. Uh, no, I, I think Torres should. I think Torres is a better player. Otani uh, was hurt most of the year. I mean, he, not most. He, he yeah. had different injuries, and, and certainly with the the elbow. I think this was a Major League Baseball decision. Yes. Uh, I think this is a PR decision more than it was. It's We want to, because he's so popular in Japan, he's more popular because he pitches and he hits. I don't think this was a play. It was a actually on-the-field decision. It was one for the marketing of the game, and you know, that's, I think, unfortunately, that's what I think this was. Uh, Sean, you what about you? Yeah, no, and, and Ira, exactly what you said. I said to Mike uh, before the game, it was definitely a PR decision. And it's not to take away from his achievements on the field. I mean, when he played, he performed at a high level, both, you know, uh, in the batter's box and on the mound. But, you know, I, I thought for sure, I, I thought there was going to be some sort of co-MVP for both the Yankees players because, I mean, in terms of what they meant to that Yankees team coming in, taking over for guys that had injuries, getting brought up, and performing at the level that they did and really being a catalyst for that Yankees team all year to get them into the playoffs. Um, I, I just thought that it was a no-brainer to kind of do a co-MVP with those two guys. No, I, I would have loved to see that, but unfortunately, yeah. not going to happen. We are out of time. Ira, I want to thank you so much for popping by all the way from the win in Las Vegas. On behalf of Sean, I'm Mike. Let's talk next Monday night. Ira on sports.